I'm I'm a fan of, of hiring people who are good at what they do and letting them do what they do. I don't have to be a one-way broad, one-woman Broadway show with four shows a day, just trying to do everything. In April 2019, Kenyette Godhigh Bell, whom you heard at the top, was a company driver at Grand Island Express. Our own long-haul Paul Marhofer met her for the first time at the company headquarters in Nebraska when researching and recording for what would become the Over the Road podcast. If you're a regular Overdrive radio listener, you heard that episode and met Godhigh Bell from that time. Part of the episode features the sound of a class intended for drivers at the company who are considering the decision to buy a truck and lease there. It was no accident that Kenyette was there. About a year to the day later, she took the keys to a 2017 Freightliner Cascadia and leased on with small fleet BF Trucking out of Plainfield, Illinois. And today, she's in what she calls a bit of a quote-unquote honeymoon period, with her authority active since the beginning of this year. I do round trips, so it'll start at one of their distribution centers in Atlanta. They have a lot here, so it could be north. Uh, I started out west of Atlanta, and you may go north, you may go south. So you may have a couple of different drops. So I moved an empty trailer from, you know, a distribution center west of Atlanta to another one that was literally like, you know, four miles up the street. And then from there, I, wow. I, I, I and then, so from there, I picked up a loaded one and brought it up here 40 miles. Yeah. And so you drop that, and then you pick up an empty, and you take it to you know another one. And then from there, I might pick up a loaded one, and I'll take that one literally a mile and a half. Yeah. So you know that that's you know that that's pretty sweet. You know, it's local work. You know, it's not anything that you know, makes me feel like I won the lottery. Um, You certainly have some limits if you don't have a trailer, but this is almost like a honeymoon period for me where I'm just kind of taking a rest with not having a trailer, not having to always be somewhere far. So, um, you know, I like this for now, but I know that in order for me to move forward with executing on the goals I have, you know, I'll have to get back to you know, get the trailer and, you know, moving further out. I'm Todd Dills, and for this Overdrive Radio edition, we'll track back through just how Kenyette Godhigh Bell got to this particular short haul honeymoon and her plans for growing a small fleet over the next years. Before that, though, we're going to hear from my colleague James Gillette on what's happening right now in the spot market. He's got a story up from earlier in the week at OverdriveOnline.com about what might be a bit of a rate sag ongoing since the holiday that's worth checking out. Find it there by searching, quote, spot rates sag, unquote. It's a high-level analysis, really, of the broader market that brought to my mind the reality that fuel prices prices have been uh, on the rise fairly steadily since uh, November after hanging down around 240 or less for a national average through much of the pandemic period last year. They fell quite a lot from well above $3 a gallon prior to the pandemic's beginning. They're not back to three yet, but uh, at 270 gallon, there's been you know a, a pretty steady rise since November. Last year, though, you know rates really were boomed through a lot of that down period for fuel. For owner operators working spot loads with brokers, rates in generally have remained elevated since November, above prior year averages, definitely. 
But the rise in fuel has taken some of their luster away, especially since the Christmas holiday. I charted uh, DAT's weekly line haul van rate averages, that's minus an average fuel surcharge to separate out fuel prices impact on rates. Looking at it since uh, fuel started to rise in November, you can really see the line haul uh, start falling as the new year turns. Find that chart and story that houses this podcast for January 29, 2021. It's overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio. Keeping all those dynamics in mind, I asked James Gillette to set up his story for us and just what he's seeing in the market from that uh, 30,000 foot view. It seems to be that fuel prices are going up, as you mentioned, at the same time that the momentum in the marketplace is slowing a little bit, especially on the spot market, which could create a pinch and, you know, from both directions, both from the fuel pricing and and on the spot race themselves, which, um, you know, could, could stall some momentum that owner operators themselves have seen since the pandemic and and in that growth period of spot rates since then. Uh, but to your question, yeah, so I, the last few weeks, I've talked to a few folks about what's going on in the spot market um, and kind of especially what has taken place uh, since the holidays began. And uh, one analyst, uh, Jim Nicholson, he works at uh, LoadSmart, um, you know, and they they usually track these these types of uh, what's going on in the spot market. And he said that he's noticed since Thanksgiving, uh, sort of the usual seasonality that we see in, in the freight market has returned uh, and, and sort of overridden what was taking place in the recovery period after the pandemic when, you know, a variety of factors, government stimulus, um, you know, was a big one. And I think uh, probably second to that, or maybe even corollary to that is the amount of e-commerce we've seen and, and folks spending their money on um, goods instead of going out to eat, instead of going on vacations. And that's obviously, you know, a point that we've talked a lot about on Overdrive and a lot of others have, have spoken about as well. Um, and that was obviously really a boon for freight over the past uh, eight months, which a lot of our readers, I'm sure, were very happy about, given that uh, for about a two month span there last spring, that the rates and, yeah. and freight were, were so bad. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, that was, that's what, uh, Jim Nicholson there at LoadSmart said, uh, I talked to one analyst, Chris Pickett. Uh, he's, he's a really smart guy. Uh, he's actually just, uh, started his, uh, his own firm, Pickett Research, and he's, uh, used to work at Coyote Logistics as an analyst and a forecaster there. And, uh, I think, uh, Coyote is under the umbrella of UPS, though I don't know anymore whether that will remain under UPS given the news we saw this week or whether Coyotes go into TFI along with UPS freight. But uh, he's basically over the past 10 to 15 years, uh, Chris Pickett has taken all of these uh, variety of metrics in the marketplace and created these uh, what he calls curves. And so if you look at his, his graphs and his curves over that time period, you see the trends of freight and rates uh, surging and then falling back down the curve. And uh, so his take is that prior to the pandemic last year, which uh, basically turned everything upside down for a short period of time, that we were in the downslope of, of one of those curves coming off mm -hmm. of 2018. I think a lot of readers might remember 2019 was sort of a slow and sluggish year. And um, getting slower. And uh, it felt like, uh, I think to exactly. a lot of people turning into 2020, it just felt like we were, we were headed down a little bit. 
Yep. So, so his take was that uh, the pandemic was sort of the end of that cycle, suddenly a very harsh end to that cycle, obviously. And then the recovery period started that next cycle back up. And his take was that uh, we, you know, the spot market and rates there should have been inflationary through the end of last year and then start slowing down at the beginning of this year. And he's saying that that's kind of what we're seeing is that uh, the market's slowing a little bit. And especially as things settle down from the pandemic and, uh, you know, freight uh, flows sort of return to normal, that's taking a little bit of the air out of the spot market as more freight is hauled under contract. And so, um, you know, all these various uh, factors we're pointing at here basically show that, uh, yeah, the spot market's slowing down and, and operators might be wise to try to find um, other, other uh, ways to haul freight that are profitable outside of um, striking that, those hot rates on the spot market. Right. Um, yeah, we, and there's opportunity there uh, for, uh, for a lot of folks, for folks who kind of have had their sort of ears to the ground or their, and their eyes wide open throughout all of this to kind of build new relationships with uh, shippers and or, uh, you know, brokers that you hadn't worked with before that you're, you're, you know, you're sort of getting, uh, getting fed uh, pretty well on freight from them to kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of lock in some, some predictable business, I guess, is the, is the, the thing I'm, I'm getting to there is like, it's, if, if you hadn't done that uh, as of yet and, and, and uh, you're still chasing rates and, and what have you, which is, you know, business model that uh, works great when things are up uh, might be a good opportunity, a good time to kind of, kind of shift that a little bit and, um, and, and try to try to, try to lock in something that's uh, going to be predictable through, uh, through the end of the year though. I, I don't know though, there's um, reading your story, even James, there's a, there's some different difference of opinion uh, on, well, the freight generally, I guess, we're talking outside of uh, just solely spot market, which is a, you know, kind of a minority of, of, uh, of the entire market. Um, I believe, uh, was it FTR that had a little bit more of a, um, you know, rosy, rosier, if not totally rosy uh, prediction for the rest of the year? In the reporting we've done in the last couple of weeks, Todd, they've definitely been the most optimistic about what the, uh, the environment looks like for 2021. Um, you know, they are forecasting rates in composite, which which combines both spot and contract rates to climb 10% uh, this year. And with a lot of those gains coming on the contract side, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, that's a good point. The spot market is just kind of a sliver of the market and it's kind of looked at as a window into what's happening. But uh, you know, there, there, and there is that scenario where a lot of freight's hauled under a contract between a broker and a shipper, yep. but then that, that freight is ultimately put on the spot market by a broker to be hauled by a, a carrier an owner operator. Yeah. Um, it's all about how you define the term, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's really like, you know, the, the rate averages that we look at a lot of that stuff is, uh, ends up, uh, is, is contract freight that, um, that kind of hits the, hits the truckers, uh, on a kind of a non-contract basis, but yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a, a feast and famine year on the spot market the past eight months. We don't have to tell anybody that uh, or past right. 10 months now, I suppose. Um, and so hopefully those, those truckers that were working the spot market heavily and, and being able to feast, uh, you know, take advantage of that feast opportunity. We're putting a little bit away for these potentially uh, more, more sluggish times ahead. Mm -hmm. A conversation with a guy the other day that, um, 
you know, he, this is kind of, I don't think the Energy Information Administration is predicting this, but, uh, you know, the fuel started going back up right, right around the time of the election and, um, and continues to, continues to rise, you know, and it's, it's like I said, not back to pre-pandemic levels uh, as of yet in terms of costs, uh, but, you know, getting pretty close. And, um, you know, he was, he was sort of speculating, hey, when, uh, when, when we get up to $4 a gallon again, you know, back we've seen that uh, time or two over the last 15 years, um, that, that's when, uh, you know, the, the uh, real business people uh, among owner operators will separate themselves from the pack, right? Like, uh, and, you know, he was, of course, hoping that uh, he could count himself among that, but, you know, right. can't, can't emphasize that enough. You know, it's, it's, if you're not keeping an eye on that, on the costs, uh, on your real costs um, and, and thinking about that in direct relationship to your rates, um, you know, it's, it, you're going to get behind the, behind the eight ball as were. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I, I think sort of changing gears a little bit from the, the fuel aspect, uh, sort of hope springs eternal key being spring there. You know, the, a lot of the folks we've talked to over the past couple of weeks are saying that maybe this, this little downturn we're seeing in the spot market is uh, the usual January and February uh, slow cycle yeah. that, uh, you know, once, once March comes back on and reefer produce uh, I mean, reefer loads start moving in the produce uh, market and, and, you know, construction picks back up uh, or, you know, not that construction was ever necessarily down. I think that's been one of the, the sort of silver linings and all of this is the flatbed freights mostly stayed strong because of, a little bit of a housing boom in the middle of all the, the pandemic issues. But uh, yeah, I, I think that most folks foresee the market hitting a little bit more of a stride, probably March, April, as, as is usual. Yeah. Uh, and every other year besides 2020, if you look back at those, uh, those indicators and those rates uh, trends. And, you know, talking a little bit about FTR's forecast, uh, dive in a little bit deeper to what they're seeing, you know, some of their analysts foresee uh, the industrial side coming back, you know, it's like automaking and, and uh, other manufacturing sectors that were hit pretty hard by the pandemic, both from a, uh, a demand perspective, as well as a, uh, the perspective of having to socially distance and not being able to put out the amount that they normally would have. So that obviously would be good for a lot of, uh, owner operators out there hauling loads in and out of manufacturing facilities or hauling finished products out of those facilities. So um, I think Outlook Cloudy is kind of the main takeaway right now. Keep watching those fuel prices for sure. Use the fuel surcharge formulas if you're not already to adjust rates accordingly to the extent you can. And like James said, maybe we're headed into a more typical seasonal pattern when it comes to the ups and downs of freight and rates. On that note, hey, Spring's not far off, right? Before we hear from owner-operator Godhai Bell, a quick word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. If you're a leased owner-operator, you need quality insurance to keep you protected. Call First Guard for the commercial truck insurance you need and the service you deserve. First Guard is the trucker's insurance company. We understand your needs and offer physical damage and non-trucking liability insurance for leased owner-operators. With First Guard, you always get fast and friendly service. Visit firstguard.com. That's the number one, stguard.com. First Guard, we speak trucker. Let's talk. Ladies and gentlemen, Kenyette. 
God High Bell, owner-operator of Bellwether Logistics. I am uh, waiting at Amazon for an empty trailer to take up further north to Jefferson, Georgia. So this is a small place here, and they don't have a lot of empty trailers, so I've got to sit here for about two hours until my scheduled departure time to see if they have an empty. And so I'll just shag it up to Jefferson and then drop that, and then I think there may be a, a loaded trailer I pick up and take about a mile and a half to another Amazon facility up there. Okay. Now, are you um, are you doing kind of dedicated business with um, with Amazon at this point? Right now, I am I'm running under my own authority, uh, pretty much exclusively for Amazon right now. They're pretty efficient. It's simple. Their trailers are normally in pretty good shape, and so I'm doing that for now. Just kind of uh, doing some local, some regional work for them so that's working out so that's working out okay as i pointed out at the top god high bell's route to where she is today passed through grand island nebraska with the grand island express fleet while i was working for grand island express i was uh, researching the good the bad and the ugly once again of being an owner operator and having my own truck And what I noticed about Grand Island Express and what I appreciated was the way in which they maintained their trucks. They kept them on a consistent PM schedule. They had a shop there. They seemed to operate with integrity. They had low turnover in their shop. And so I started having conversations with the uh, VP and uh, as well as the shop manager about what would it look like if I wanted to get one of these trucks when they came off of lease. So I was driving a 2017 Freightliner Cascadia, and they were starting to turn those in and getting the 2020s. So I had a conversation with the dealer. Uh, His name is Jeff Mesh at Truck Country in Uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Great guy. And if I could, I probably would try to get more Grand Island Express trucks and from him because he just had really great customer service. So I highly recommend him. But I had a conversation with him in 2019, almost a year to the day before I bought my truck. And I was asking him, what would it look like if I wanted to get one of these trucks? You know, how much would they be? How many miles would they have on it? What would it look like for me being uh, a fairly new driver at that, you know, at that point of getting a truck, it would be about two years having a CDL. Um, What would financing options be? And so I took some notes and I came off of the road in the winter. So the end of January, I came off the road and went home to Florida. That's last year. 2020 that Kenya is talking about just pre-pandemic and I was pretty determined not to be out in another Nebraska Iowa Midwest winter again because that was quite something the winter before (laughs) and uh, and so I came home and I was considering doing dispatching full-time and had taken a course and I really thought about how much time that would require 
and the fact that I didn't necessarily want to be tied to a computer and a phone 24-7. And I said, well, why don't I just go forward with my original plan and go with what I know? Mm -hmm. And so I worked on uh, getting financing. I reached out to Jeff again at Truck Country, and it was literally almost a year to the day. And it was in the middle of a pandemic, but, you know, I, I have faith that God will continue to take care of me, and it's either now or never. So even though it was the midst of a pandemic, it's like, well, if I can make it through this, this is going to be one heck of a boot camp. And everything from that point on should be fairly smooth sailing. Mm. So I uh, I had some challenges with getting financing that made some type of sense because I'm higher risk. It's like being an 18-year-old getting a car and insurance for the first time. Right. So as a newer trucker, I had some hurdles to overcome, but uh, Truck Country was able to find someone to finance me in some fairly decent terms. So once we got all that settled and paperwork and deposits, I flew out to Cedar Rapids in uh, April of 2020 to get the truck. And I purchased, uh, I think it had maybe 376,000 miles on it, still another 2017. It was pretty much identical to what I had been driving. And ironically, it was one unit number off oh. of what the one I was driving. So huh. this one was 9033, and I was driving 9034. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah. And, wow. um, and so I, I, I purchased the uh, extended warranty through Premium 2000 with all the bells and whistles because I had consulted with uh, she trucking as well as some other fellow drivers. And Premium 2000 seemed to be the warranty that shops respected more and had less problems with. Yeah, so that, that gave me some more peace of mind. Uh, I'm I'm a proponent of reading the fine print. So I read the fine print of, of the warranty and I actually called a couple of shops and asked them, which warranty do you have the least problems with? And so the consensus was premium 2000. So I was able to get that and, and I was already set up to go and be an owner op uh, signed on with BF Trucking out of Plainfield, Illinois, Wanda Billups. And so I started out power only. And I, it turned out that uh, J.B. Hunt had a trailer right there in Cedar Rapids that I needed to do a relay on. So I picked that up and took it to Walmart in, in Illinois. And so I did power only for a little while. And then I ended up getting a trailer through BF Trucking. Uh, renting one through them. And so I was just pretty much doing drive-in in the Midwest for the most part uh, while it was warm. You know, the Midwest seems to pay more. And so I was hovering there between Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, uh, maybe a little Ohio, and then I would come down to Georgia sometimes. And so that's what I was pretty much doing until it got to be cold, and that was my plan to come down to the southeast because, once again, I didn't want to be in another winter in the Midwest, and I had the opportunity to go to Charlotte to help with the UPS peak season loads. So I did that 
the month of December and, and that worked out pretty well. That was pretty sweet. And so when that dried up, I just came on down to Atlanta and this is my second home. I went to middle and high school here. My mother and sister and nieces and nephew live here. So this is kind of a landing spot and I've been hovering here for a couple of weeks, just doing some local and regional work exclusively for Amazon. Are you coming to these arrangements uh, uh, directly through um, uh, UPS, Amazon, or are you, or are you working uh, particularly with a broker or, or what? No, with Amazon, I, I'm signed up as a carrier and you just go okay. through their app. Right. The Amazon Relay app. So I, I dispatch myself. Yeah. One of the challenges is that you have to constantly be on their board because they have so many loads, and I'm sure there's a lot of competition. They have a lot of owner operators, mm -hmm. and so we're moving trailers all around. And so if I get an email on something, by the time I click on the email and then go to the app, the load may be gone. So um, that is a challenge with them. They do have some blocks that you can do where it's kind of like preset work, but I really don't like the unknown because you don't know where you're going until 12 hours ahead of time. Right. And so therefore, if you decide that you don't really want to go there, you can reject it, but then that goes against your score and your performance. So I'm a little leery about that. So just kind of treading water with the, the Amazon, taking it light, doing some local things, and that's working out okay, but I'm in the midst of just kind of honing a business strategy uh, long-term and figuring right. out what it's going to take to get me uh, where I want to go. And so I'm working with a business consultant uh, company that works with trucking companies to really formulate a plan to move forward successfully and efficiently. Who's the company you're working with? Is it... Um... It's Innovative Logistics, okay. uh, Adam Wingfield through Innovative Logistics out of Charlotte and Atlanta. And they are, they're really five-star and it's a one-stop shop for helping with IFTA 2290. They are dispatchers, business consulting. Uh, they have a think tank with other drivers and recruiters and people on the line. So there's a lot of resources there and their goal is to be a one-stop shop. So they offer a lot of services. And Adam used to be a driver and he used to own a fleet and he decided that he wanted to uh, offer a service to other drivers. So he sold his trucks and put all his money into the business. So he's been in the industry about 20 years. So um, I'm glad that I was able to connect with him because it helps to keep me accountable and, and keep me from getting comfortable. When I signed on with Wanda, and it's actually B-F Trucking, because yep. there are a couple other BF Truckings, but when I signed on with her, we had the conversation about me getting my authority at some point, and she said, well, hey, you can come over here, and I can teach you how to dispatch. You can dispatch yourself. You can just kind of get your feet wet and see what it's like. And so that was a good experience. She doesn't micromanage. She was still driving at the time. So she and I were the ones out there hustling and driving. And uh, I pretty much dispatched myself pretty much from the load board. I was on the DAT board a lot. 
uh, and I didn't make the time to talk to shippers directly, but I stayed pretty busy with that. And so I continued with my same pattern of studying the good, the bad, and the ugly of having your own authority. And what appealed to me about that was just the freedom, because there were some conversations that I couldn't have unless I had my own authority. For example, I was trying to get uh, another fuel card through night, but I couldn't get anything unless it was a prepaid card, unless I had my own authority. Okay. Uh, so, so, you know, that was, that was the main thing is that I wanted to have freedom to just determine the direction I wanted to go and also uh, just get more of the money. Even though Wanda uh, had a great setup for me and I think she's very fair, you still leave some money on the table. It's almost like having a franchise. So you still leave some money on the table. There are some comforts where you don't have the full responsibility for the load, but um, it was a risk that I was willing to take. And so my philosophy is like, you know, try it. And if it doesn't work out, you re-navigate and you do something else. You just GPS in your life and nothing has to be final. But, you know, I don't want to have these regrets like, regrets like man I wonder what it'd be like what if so uh, I knew that insurance was a big hurdle and that is something that stops people because the down payment can be five thousand dollars so once again I found a great resource Crosswinds Insurance out of Charlotte through the Truck and Hustle podcast and I talked to a couple of agents and uh, I the owner is Renato Robinson And I really appreciated the educational stance he had about it. And he was very informative. And as a new carrier, and especially out of Florida, everything's more in Florida. And uh, there are not many insurance companies that will write new carriers out of Florida. So he was able to find one. And it's uh, Canal Insurance. And my deposit was only $3,000 and I like the fact that they bill me and they don't do a direct debit. And so my insurance actually varies because they put uh, a device, you have a device in your truck, kind of like with auto insurance, so they can monitor your driving habits and mileage. So my insurance bill fluctuates. It's never been as high as it was quoted because I wasn't driving as much. Uh, So that's a nice thing. And so it gives me an option of how I want to pay. UBI or usage-based insurance, a lot of folks call it. There are other companies doing this when it comes to primary liability insurance for motor carriers with authority for sure. Progressive, for instance, can tap into your ELD if you're running one for somewhat similar purposes. You may recall our ELD data grab series from 2019 made note of the discounts they offered insurers for doing so. In any case, I haven't talked to many out there among independent owner-ops who've taken this bargain. But can yet, in this early short-haul period for sure, the system has been a cost-saver. For though she got what she feels is a decent rate for insurance from Canal, it's very high compared to new owner-operator primary liability insurance pricing of not so long ago, as a lot of you will recognize. As recently as six or seven years ago even, a startup owner-op could get covered for about a third of the level she's been quoted. 
depending on exactly uh, where the business was located. So, you know, that that's a starting point for me. There are some restrictions on it, such that they don't have any coverage and no bodily injury coverage if you have passengers. So that's mm-hmm. kind of limiting. Uh, they only allow you to add one truck uh, in the first year. So, I mean, that's fine because that's probably all that I'm going to add in the first year. But as I have more experience and my uh, MC continues to age, then I'll start mm-hmm. looking at some other options that may offer me uh, some different types of, of coverages and would be more competitive. So, for example, Progressive quoted me like $40,000 with 40% down. <laughs> 16000 down, 40000 is the policy, and you, like, pay that, you know, quarterly or something like that. Wow. So, so that was not going to be the best option for me. So Canal is like middle of the road. I think they're like B++ rated. And so they're middle of the road, decent insurance. Um, and, you know, they they gave me a quote that I could live with and that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And so, it, I mean, it, it's higher than than, let's say, somebody who's been driving a long time and mm-hmm and you know has a lot more experience but i was prepared for it so they quoted me it was actually 30,000 and so that's like 2500 a month but that's what i was expecting based on where i come in in this equation with a two year cdl you know or two and a half year cdl and my Very, first truck yeah yeah very recent so, mc number and all that yeah first truck yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was prepared for that, but my insurance has not been 2500 because it's usage-based. So yeah. that, you know, last month, I think I saved like 600 bucks. It was like 19 So as I get more experience, then, uh, you know, I'll move on to some place that is more competitive. But it wasn't anything that had me clutching the pearls, and I was in shock and awe about with mm-hmm. Canal. Progressive was pretty laughable, um, but... Yeah. You know, at least I had something to compare it to. You know, when you're working with uh, innovative uh, logistics and just kind of thinking about your future here, um, you know, what what's what's in the business plan? I mean, what are you what are you thinking about from uh, you know, kind of moving forward from here? I know you're, you know, you you're, you're all of us. You know, we're all focused on the day to day, and uh, but it sounds yeah. to me, you sound like you sound like somebody to me that's always got that. Uh, always get that future, um, you know, sort of as clear yeah. as you possibly can have it in your mind's eye. What, what's, uh, what do you, what do you guys talk about? Uh, when you're, when you're planning, what are you thinking about? Over the next three years, uh, by the end of my third year, I'd like to have maybe four to five trucks total. Sure. Uh, that's what I see right now with the drivers. I would, I've got to formulate when I want to get out of the truck, when I'm financially able to, and and what I, what my desire is, but I would, I would like to be out of the truck maybe this time next year, Uh, but I'm flexible, you know, because life is life. And so I'm flexible, but that would be nice. And so I would have somebody in my truck. I would probably have another truck as well at that time possibly and um, i'm working on just 
just building uh, a company culture where I can attract and retain competent, courteous, professional uh, drivers who are safety conscious and, and, and also attract those types of uh, people to be a part of the support team. I know that it's very competitive out here, so I need to, you know, work on a pitch. Why would somebody want to come and work with me? And I pull from my time as a company driver and what I liked about Grand Island Express and some things that I may possibly change. And then I ask other drivers as well, what did they like about their companies? What would they change? So I want to incorporate all of that so that it'll be a place where, you know, people would want to come and work and we would be more like partners. And I think it's valuable experience and a perspective for me to be a driver, to be able to relate to drivers and understand the plight and just try to make their lives easier. One thing I think I'm, I'm strongly leaning towards is paying drivers hourly for the time that they're driving and the time that they're not driving in terms of sitting at a dock, because as a driver, you know, you, you, those are things that can kind of be irritating if you're just sitting and not getting paid. And so I may try that out and see how that works, but I think that would be fair because there's so many hours out here and tasks out here that we don't get paid for when you're getting paid per mile or, you know, percentage of a load. And so I want drivers to feel like they're valued, respected, and have a, a vested interest in, in how this goes. So, you know, those are the things that I think about, you know, working on branding. I just, you know, got someone to do a logo. And so I've got to figure out if, if I'm in love with it or not. But, you know, just building from there. And uh, I want it to be a, a place where, you know, drivers feel respected and, and honored and appreciated and, you know, learning how to give them what they need because each person is different. Some people are motivated by money. Some people are motivated by home time. Some people are motivated by equipment or other things. Right. So, you know, that's going to be uh, an interesting um an interesting balance to try to, to master, but I definitely yeah. plan on having a support team to help me with that. Cause there's no way that I can do everything, nor do I want to do everything. And so yeah. once I get out of the truck, then, you know, maybe I'll strategically oversee some things, but I would hire somebody else. And, you know, some other people, whether they're employees or independent contractors, you know, just to be a part of the support team. And then I'll move on to some other aspirations that I have, like finishing grad school for for uh, Christian counseling. Well, wish your luck and much success, no doubt. Thanks again to Kenya God High Bell for her story and to you for hanging in there to finish. Next week, a special tour up and down I-75 in Kentucky in search of the best natter natter pudding on I-75 with Long Haul Paul, another in the rerun of the Over the Road series. Stay tuned. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive Magazine. You can sign up to receive Overdrive's daily newsletter featuring trucking news, views, and analysis geared toward current and prospective owner-operators and small fleet owners via overdriveonline.com. The podcast is edited and produced by myself, Todd Dills, 
with no small amount of support from Overdrive Extra contributor Paul Marhofer, Overdrive Editorial Director Max Heine, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, News Editor Matt Cole, and Executive Editor James Gillette. Until next time, keep it pro out there. <laughs>